0: Mac Jake, what's up, man? We back. Back, man.
1: Episode 52. A week's worth of work or years worth of work in weeks, but you know, we back again.
0: Yeah, man. Excited for this one tonight, you know. Indeed. Um, yeah, man. Very special guests. Uh we got coming on tonight. Um, uh, but everything been good?
1: Yeah, man, I can't complain. Working day to day. Hustling back and forth from the kids' practices, you know, trying to get in here on time so we could yeah.
0: do what we need to do. Yeah, man. Well, look, we got we're not gonna hold them too long tonight, man. Uh, we want to be the, uh, respectful uh, of our guests' time, and so, man, we're gonna go go ahead and get right into it. Uh, with this introduction, uh, appreciate everybody that's watching out there, uh, right now, and uh, those who uh continue to come in as we get started. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, tonight's forecast, uh, I mean podcast, Matt, uh, (laughs) calls for a native son of the Bluff City. Uh, He's a proud graduate of the University of Memphis, Um, and for over two decades, uh, he graced our TV screens as the chief meteorologist at Fox 13. Uh, Not only can he predict the weather, but he can also put pen to paper. Uh, as he has authored a book entitled A God of Unsignaled Left Turns, released last April. Here for episode 52, whether or not, please help us welcome Joy Sulepek to Sticks and Stones. My friends, what is going on? What's going on?
2: Man, I sit here with a cat in my lap. This cat has jumped up right (laughs) in my lap. So if I look at my shoulders, start doing something funny. (laughs) It's because I don't
0: know what to do with her. <laughs> it's all all good, all good. But yeah, man, how, look, how you been? Busy, busy.
2: Um, you know, I find that I, when you just when you think life's going to slow down, it seems to get even more crowded. This morning, I, I do a weekly radio show here in town on uh, finance. I'm in the finance business full time. I do a lot of things on the side. But I had my dear friend and my co-anchor for 20 years, one of my best friends, Merle Purvis, and I were on the radio for about an hour this morning talking about first time she and I have been together. We had an 18-plus year career together, won an Emmy together. So she and I were on the air for an hour this morning. So it's been a long, full day of media, but I've been looking forward to this. I told all my friends and family, I gotta, I got to get back for this podcast. They were like, you're doing a podcast, you know, but... <laughs> Um, but I appreciate you guys reaching out and just uh, being interested to have me here. It's an honor.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh. You know. Uh, I I actually got to uh, catch a piece of you know. Uh. You that segment on the radio this morning. KWAM nine ninety. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so listening to you and uh, Mrs. Purvis. Um. I guess I should say. Um. But how 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 was it just being back with her? Uh. Even you know just connecting over those airwaves.
2: Well, you know, she and I have been friends for over 20 years. We still talk all the time and we talk almost daily. She's she's like a member of my family. Um, but being back in a booth, being back in front of the microphones, you know, it, it was, we've talked, we actually talked about it afterwards, just laughing. It was so, it was so fun, you know, like you two guys, you've been, you've done 52 shows. That's a lot of shows. I mean, that's, that's, that's some work. I mean, I know from personal experience, anybody watching, that's a lot of work. You, you guys get to know each other. You have chemistry over time. That becomes a very special thing. And so being able to sit with her and just sort of step back into that groove again was just, you kind of feel your heart, heartstrings strum. So it was a really cool thing to be back in studio with her. You know, she's sitting next to me, us just kind of playing off that rhythm and knowing how to, how to lead each other into a question. Um, you know, listen, man, all of life is all of life is about number one, praising God, worshiping a savior. Uh, and then number two, having compassion and empathy for your fellow man and, and woman, you know, we're all, we're all created in God's image. And so to have my dear friend there next to me and us be able just to kind of communicate and share, that's a special thing. You know, you guys were utilizing that yourself. And so, uh you know what i'm talking about but
1: it was really cool to be on the air with
0: her yeah yeah
1: yeah i, I kind of i caught some of that as well uh and the chemistry between you both is, is still amazing so i definitely couldn't tell it had been two years but that speaks to i guess your friendship like you say y'all talk all the time and uh like how were you both able to build such chemistry did it just come with with the rhythm and, and working through it or and, and building it over time You know, it's um, when you
2: when you've been in the foxhole with somebody in battle, you tend to bond. We both came on about the same time. I remember, you know, I was I got there about six months before her. And uh, when we came on, we met at Do you remember the Ford family, Harold Ford, Mm senior, Harold Ford, Jr. Harold Ford, Jr., who was still, I believe, in Congress at the time, had a. a welcome back party for Merle. And that's where I met her. I'd known her my whole life because she has been an icon in this town forever. So and I've, been, I've had 25 years in TV here in Memphis. She's had a little bit more than me. And so I was kind of in awe when I met her. But we both sort of came on within six months of each other. And when you're in TV news, TV news can be a tough business. I mean, there's a, it's a carousel of individuals. There's a lot of narcissism. There's a lot of insecurity. And when you combine those things, it can be really kind of knives out situation. Mm. But she and I were kindred spirits in that both believers, uh, both, you know, Southern roots, um, b- both like-minded in how we approach life. And so that's a very special situation when you work with somebody like that anywhere and you can connect and have each other's back and you know, blends your families. And um, so it happened very early on and just over the years. Just one of those things I'm thankful for. You guys, you know, know what I'm talking about. And I know that you've got friends out there who are who maybe listening. Those are those kind of friendships are few and far between. So you cherish them, you know, you protect them, you nurture them. Um, but they are they make you feel more rich the older you get, you know.
0: Yeah. Indeed. So, um, so Joey, we, uh, you know, we kind of like to, uh, go back a little bit, you know, uh, on this show. Um, and so we want to talk about, I mentioned, you know, in the introduction that you're a native son of Memphis. Um, and so just kind of take us back, um, and kind of share the journey of young Joey growing up in Memphis, um, as he's preparing to face the world.
2: You know, I grew up in Raleigh here in Memphis, the Raleigh-Fraser area uh, my whole life. Went to Raleigh-Egypt High School and and then Memphis State. Um, And I was you know, I, I grew up in a single family home, very lower middle class. And I look back now and I'm thankful. Because that, you know, when you grow up tough, it makes you appreciate it when God blesses you with a roof over your head or a new pair of shoes things that kids today probably take for granted, you know, I don't want to sound like grandpa, but at, when you grow up and you're, uh, you don't have a lot, you know, and I had just a mom raising us, you, you know, you grow up with a different perspective. And so, you know, I grew up with a wonderful situation. My mom was a play piano at our church, had us, you know, and, and speaking of ironically, I, I hadn't even put this together until just now. We were talking about Harold Ford Jr. I can remember being a little kid, five, eight, seven, eight years old and being at Harold Ford senior's house for a fundraiser. This is back in the 70s, you know, so I was I was blessed to be in a uh, loving household that believed in integration of everybody and, um, you know, broke down color barriers and was very warm and inviting and that's a that's a really wonderful way to grow up and so and as you guys know when you don't have much as a kid you don't know you don't have much as a kid right. things are just that's just how life is and so i see now as a dad of three you know and when your parents raise you that way it, it makes you appreciate things and so i go through high school i go through college I'm in Memphis. I don't know what I want to do. And uh, I've got a journalism degree. And God just opened some doors at what was then, you know, Channel 13 used to be ABC back in the day. This is way back. So when I worked at 8, 13 originally, it was ABC as a, I was just working for free, answering phones. Um, And God just started opening doors and lit a fire under me and gave me some opportunities. And let me make sure I say this, gentlemen, anything good that I have in my life, anything, it's not a result of me. It's a result of God blessing me. You'll, you know, you'll never hear me say, look what I did. It's look what God did for me. And I want to encourage you and anybody listening as you go forward in life, keep that, keep that mentality. The second that we start saying, look how great I am and they better watch out. That's when God wants to uh, kind of set you straight. So oh, yeah. all right. You know, he's, he's blessed me with a lot of opportunities and, um, and I've just been grateful. So he took me through TV. I, you know, I started out as a. Uh, working the phones, then I started as a tape editor, then I learned how to shoot. You know, I taught myself how to be a camera operator, did that. And I was a one man band, which is where you film your own stuff. And I started doing my stand ups in front of the camera. Then I realized, well, I don't want to do sports. I better look into uh, science. So I went back to school through Mississippi State and got all my meteorology licensing, uh, God kept opening doors. And I, I think I ended up working at every TV station in Memphis except for one. So out of the four stations, I worked at three of them over 25 years. And just over that time, man, I look back now and I mean, he's still giving me great opportunities, but got to do a lot of crazy fun stuff, you know, from helicopter rides to meeting uh, famous and interviewing famous people and flying around the country and um, and then 18 years at Fox. And then, you know, uh, now able to sort of put that in the rearview mirror and le- lead a little bit more of a normal life. Because When you're in TV news, it owns you. And when you're in okay. TV news and you're in a tough you know, if you're in a culture of excellence, that can sometimes crush your personal life you know, there's benefits to that. That's the Elon Musk mentality. Let's live at our job. I mean, things get accomplished, but it also crushes your personal life. And I did that for a long time, you know, sleeping on the floor in the studio, leaving my daughter's birthday party because there was a tornado warning on the weekend. Um, So he's blessing me now with opportunities to still serve and be in the public and speak and, and talk and visit with school kids, but to have a little bit more time with my wife. So I mean it's been a, it's been a long journey but it never I, it doesn't end you know you keep god keeps giving you opportunities and so um i just see us i see a transition from all those years into these new things like with Merle and I today we hadn't done that we've never done radio like that together who knows what you know what that might lead to but it was um i'm just thankful now i'm, I'm thankful for op- even opportunities like this just to visit with you guys you know uh because for the believer, for the Christian, we'll be talking about moments like this in eternity. You know, you don't forget being on sticks and stones on a, or, yeah. or having a conver- having a conversation at the Piccadilly or, you know, those where God tells us we're going to have these memories in glory. And so, you know, I, I, when you look at life through that lens, moments like these take on kind of a new import. Yeah, it mean, was a long way. It was a long way for me to answer that question. I don't know if I did it justice, but no, you, you <laughs> did.
1: You did. I was gonna say sleeping in the studio, leaving your kids' birthday party. That sounds kind of like the army, and, <laughs> and my career in the army: uh, leaving, deploying, going overseas, missing important moments all for the sake of the job. So, uh, you know, kudos to you for that. I was listening to the interview this morning, and I think uh, Merrill alluded to you both having to, over a combined think 60 years of experience and when you've been doing it that long uh what does like what does the prep time look like as opposed to when you first start first of all uh how long are you in the service uh 20 years i just retired last august
2: man that's a long time and that's and i listen i i come from a military family so i get it that's a uh you gave a lot not not just into your service for your country, but what it does to your family. So I, I respect that. I know that can be uh, trying. Um, prep time. I'll tell you what's funny is the longer I did it, the more I realized I'm never off work. You know, prep time was from the second people would say to me, "What what's your shift?" You know. So if you're working an evening news shift to the world. You know, I would say, okay, the shift is 2 p.m. to 11 Mm p.m. But in reality, if I got up at eight or nine, I was already looking at weather maps at home. You know, everything changed with technology. Uh, So I could do as much on my phone with satellite imagery and data at home as I could inside a studio. So I'm working from home. I'm creating graphics on my iPhone or iPad. So I'm literally working. If I'm awake 17 hours a day, I'm working 17 hours a day. If I'm theoretically off on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not if there's storms coming, I'm coordinating the weather team from the second I get up Saturday. And while I'm grilling out, this is not a joke. I'm grilling out, flipping burgers. I'm looking at my phone going, okay, how close is that line of storms? Cause I'm going to have to leave. Even though I'm not on the weekends, I got to go in. Let me drop everything. Is my tie ready? You know, put on the tie as I'm walking in They hand me a microphone and you're, going live with storm coverage for seven hours, talking for seven hours. I mean, think about it. you do an hour podcast. It was not, it was nothing to have to talk for four to seven hours straight. You know, giving people signals that, could you bring me some water? I mean, we get, to, we got that down to a science, but to answer your question, um, the prep time meant kind of like being in the army where you're always ready to roll. Right. You could never take, you could never unplug and go, I'm going to unplug, you know, I, always had to be looking three to seven days out and preparing everything along the way every given moment it it's really a hard life i mean it's exhausting and, and it's like being a it's like being in the service it's like being a firefighter it's like being a paramedic or whatever you, where you're literally always working and you know here's something else once you' once you've been on air for that long and the tv station has spent millions of dollars promoting you in commercials and on tv and on digital and on social and on you know you, you can't have a bad day at the grocery store <laughs> and you can't you can't get mad in traffic and you can't, you know, uh, in fact, what I learned quickly was you can't. And this is going to sound stupid. You can't frown. I had a guy one time was working on our house, doing some electrical work, and um, I'm going to text these guys that I'm on this. I, I've had eight thousand texts trying to get me and I need to tell them I'm doing y'all's podcast. <laughs>
0: they it always work. I mean, always. <laughs> don't show don't stop. I, I,
1: this, this, and this is where entire, the weatherman was born. I, I
2: mean, they're, they're, uh, this is an entire team. And now Merle's texting me. <laughs> I, and I'm going to tell you why Merle texts me. I'm going to show you all something. I just texted. I found this picture. Y'all ready for this? I found this picture from 2007. I took of her interviewing somebody. You might recognize him. You recognize that
0: guy? Oh, yeah. Yep. E river and Jesse Jackson.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was just, I just came across these and uh, said, you may want these pictures. I just found of her interviewing the And I, you know, we all took pictures with him. Um, I got completely off track. Gentlemen, what was I talking about?
1: No, you good. You was wrapping up saying basically, you know, you never off prep time going into the, into the studio, putting a tie on even after grilling out. So I was just saying like, is, is that where the weather main persona was born?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so somebody at one point, you know, I forget even how it started. Uh, the whole main thing is is Memphis, which I love, you know. Um, and it just kept gaining momentum. And somebody at one point on social media said, man, you're the weatherman. Somebody else picked it up. And before I knew it, it had just gone bananas, you know. Uh, so much so that year after year, I just – and I love that. I, listen. And you know, since a kid, I love seeing black and white Memphis come together, and, and and literally, keep in mind, it's not just black and white Memphis; it's brown Memphis. It's it's there's every color in the rainbow. Every there's every you know from Asian Americans to Hispanic Americans. I've always loved seeing that brotherhood and sisterhood. I really have. And so when that you know. When, when somebody started calling me that, um, it just stuck. It became a fun thing. I, it, I even started a website. I got weathermain.com I And mean, if you go to weathermain.com there's some stuff on there. And and you know, early on in my career, uh, I was on the morning show with Good Morning Memphis for about five years with Ernie Freeman and Val. And Ernie started, and Ernie's still one of my dear friends, Ernie called, started calling me the Bowtie to the point where people didn't even know my name. They go, hey, Bowtie. Because to this day, if Ernie Freeman walked in this, if Ernie Freeman came in right now, he'd go bow What's up? You know. So that just kind of stuck. Well, when the Weatherman thing started, all of a sudden, <laughs> now I'm, i to this day. If I, I I drove through Taco Bell two nights ago, and all I heard was six people yelling in the back, Weatherman, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they gave me some free cinnamon Christmas, so it was awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that was actually going to be, um, you know, one of my next questions was, you know, when did the bow tie uh, originate? Um, but you uh, <clears throat> but I was also going to going to ask um, what went into that approach for you to say, um, I'm going to communicate uh, complex weather information to the general public. Um, it's going to be in a way that they can understand it, but it, but it's also going to be entertaining. <laughs> What kind of went into that approach?
2: You know, it, it it really comes down to figuring out how you like to communicate. I mean, let's both of you guys, if you've done 52 of these shows, you you are, if you didn't already have a sense, you both have a sense of what you're good at, what your strengths are. I'm gonna give you both a huge compliment just over the last 20 minutes. You're both excellent listeners. Not everybody does that. A lot of people want to fill up the space in between. Let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about me. When you run a great podcast, when you run a great interview show, you're asking questions and listening. You both, that, that's a skill set. So early on, I learned to listen to what the public, how are they hearing me? So listen, a big part of being a weather person or a news person in general or a podcaster is how do I communicate to my audience? because I can be the smartest guy in the room. But if I can't make you understand what I'm saying, my knowledge is useless. And and that happens all the time. There's brilliant people out there who are terrible communicators. And so if you can't connect those two lines, it's wasted. So one of the things God helped me with early on is how do I speak to my audience? Let me learn my audience. And And I'm a big I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs and the Apple mentality, which is make it friendly, make it intuitive, make it easy to understand and people will gravitate towards you. And so I approach weather that way. And so, you know, over the years developing just through, you know, repetition and experience, how do I connect with people? What graphic can I build? What what can I use? What, what prop can I use that explains this process? What and those things stick in people's minds, you know. And so over time, you start learning to be a better communicator, and being a good communicator helps you in all aspects of life, you know, sure. all aspects. For sure. And so that's something I still, something I still really enjoy is communicating with people, and in, in whether it's about finance. Weather, primarily about God. How can I communicate so that we can interact as human beings and me understand you and you understand me? You don't want to talk over people's heads. People have done that for years in TV, news and weather. So let me break it down. And You know, one of the things we did that was so groundbreaking that now is just commonplace. We simplified everything. Now, now I see it everywhere. But when we started doing it, nobody was doing it. You know, we threw out the Almanac page. Who cares about barometric pressure? People don't, you know, people wanted, people would go, do I need a jacket? You know, they didn't want to know everything about relative humidity and winds out of the Northwest. Do I need a coat? Does my kid need a hat? You know, so we started rebuilding the mousetrap and said, you know what? Why don't we come up with an icon of a kid? And if it's cold, we'll put a hat on them. Or if it's hot, we'll put shorts on them and, a, you know, an umbrella for rain. So you figure out new ways to communicate. It resonates with people and they got the message. And so listen, in the grand scheme of things, I'm just a, I was a weather guy in 50 years. Nobody's going to remember. But I, I would like to think that in those moments we help some people, you know, and um, and again, when you when you live your life with your eyes cut towards eternity everything takes on a little bit heavier meaning. So communication,
0: learning how to communicate to me is the key in all of this. Yep. Yep. We're getting a lot of, uh, comments, uh, coming in people just, uh, speaking to you. Um uh, we had one come in we just flashed on flashed on the screen. Uh, that just said, do we need to go to the grocery store? I think that was one of the main <laughs> things people wanted to know. Uh, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in, can you, uh, discuss any like specific weather events that may have left a lasting impression on you, you know, during your career?
2: Yeah, and- man. So, so many, so many, um, you know, when you live in that crazy bubble, the craziness almost seems normal. So I, now that I've taken a little bit of a breather, I've kind of looked back and said, what would people like to hear about, you know? There was one time we had a tornado outbreak across West Tennessee and they put me in a helicopter and flew me over West Tennessee from Jackson to different areas. And uh, I remember looking down at, you know, we were tracking where the tornado went through the Jackson area and it had gone to the Jackson airport, flipped over airplanes. And I just, you know, I remember being in that helicopter looking down and it literally looked like God had drug his finger through the dirt the way the earth was move the way the trees were in torn and that was as a young meteorologist and that plays a role when you're doing eight hours of weather coverage because you're thinking to yourself okay i get it 95 percent of the people watching are mad that i'm breaking into american idol and they're all going to call and tell me how stupid i am because you know why are you on interrupting uh my show you know um but but that that family that's getting touched, you you know, you start going. You know what? I'm going to get abuse for people who say get off my TV. But what if they're listening, and what if they can get someplace safe? You know, they also sent me down years ago to cover uh, Hurricane Ivan, which nobody remembers Ivan because right after Ivan, you know, Ivan is I. Two storms later was Katrina. I'm, so I was almost caught in the middle of Katrina, which was a monumental game changer, almost washed, you know, New Orleans off the map. Following that, we, we got there before the hurricane hit, we were doing live shots. And then after the hurricane hit, we followed the trail of destruction. And I learned that when a hurricane hits, all these thousands and thousands of people, first of all, there's boats up on land, giant boats on land. There's no power because all the energy has been knocked out. It's in summer. So it's about 105 degree heat index and sweaty. So you don't have AC. Um, you don't have lights. All your food is rotting. You don't have ice. You can't get a cool drink. Your drinking water has been soiled because all the seawater has come in land with the storm surge and, and gotten into your water table. And so experiencing those things firsthand have a, uh, have a big impact on how you talk to people. Um, but I, I'll, give you, I'll leave you with one positive because this has been a long answer. One of the things we did for five years was uh, weather camp. We held a thing called Weather Camp at the Agri Center. I would have parents come up to me and go, My kids terrified of weather. What can we do? How can we? and I would have them in the studio and teach them about weather. And my wife finally goes, I wish there was like a summer camp for kids. So I said, Why don't we come up with an idea? And we came up with this thing called weather camp. You gotta Google it sometimes because you'll see a ton of photos. And it just God blessed it. It came together. We did it at the agri center. And the first year we did it, we had like everybody was pitching in, National Weather Service. Office of Homeland Security, uh, FedEx had a, had a bunch of pilots and things. And so we all had these displays and banners and I thought, man, I hope somebody shows up. It was from nine to noon on a Saturday, right before school started. And somebody said, look out the door because we were going to open the doors at nine. There were 400 people standing out there um, waiting to come with their kids. And we ended up having thousands. And so we we had weather camp t-shirts, They had little bow tie printed on them, you know, and a, uh, people still send me those pictures from 15 years ago, or else I've had grown kids, grown men come in with their moms and the moms will go. He came to weather camp and now he's an atmospheric scientist, you know, going to Berkeley. And when you, you know, as you get older, those things mean a lot to you. Right.
0: Yeah, we got we got one uh, in the comments right now. She said they were in line for a while.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, is that uh, Miss Leverson. Oh, I'm sorry. That was, I'm
2: sorry. You had to wait that while.
1: I hope it was worth it. So joy, how, how would you say technology and social media has influenced or impacted weather reporting?
2: You know, there's good and bad, good and bad. Uh, the good is here's the good, you know, I can now toggle my phone It can triangulate exactly where I'm standing and that alert can go off if a tornado is coming to where I am. That's far different from when I started, you know, back in the days. And this is probably when you get when you guys when y'all were kids, we'd have to warn an entire county at a time, even if the whole county wasn't in danger. It's just technology wasn't there. So now you can triangulate to a, you know, where you're standing and get an alert. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And everybody's got a warning system, right? Not everybody's near a TV, but now you've got a warning system. But you asked me about technology and as a dad and as a guy who has a love for these, these communities and, and I believe that we're supposed to be role models. I am horrified with what else this beams into our kids' heads. It's a conduit to the world and Satan uses this, you know, to be quite honest because as parents, it's hard to control it. We try, we put up filters and safeguards and we don't give them phones at a certain age. And there's still, you know, somebody will still walk up to your kid, it's happened to me. It'll be in the fourth grade and go, hey, look at this, you know, and it's something horrible. So here's why I say all that for anybody listening, because as parents and as community leaders and as just men and women in general who are taking care of our children, can't let your guard down for a nanosecond. You just can't do it because we're our kids are sponges. They're absorbing everything around them. If we're not monitoring what they're seeing, you know, you you don't want you want to be in control of what you're what is shaping your child. So I am pro technology from a weather standpoint, because I can, I mean, I can I can, over the last 25 years, you know, when I started, guys, there weren't no, there was no Internet. When I started, that's how old I am. There were, you know, no cell phones. And if you did a weather report, you had a big teletype machine with that big wide paper that went, you know, and printed out nothing but numbers. And you were like going, OK, I, I think it's going to be 85 tomorrow. Well, now I can tell you everything about the atmosphere in a nanosecond and where it's going. That's everything's changed. That's fantastic. Mm hmm. But is the trade-off good? I, sometimes I wonder because yeah. of how much negative comes along with technology. I mean, it's just a da- it's a dangerous
1: world. Yeah, definitely yeah. a gift and a curse. Uh, speaking of early on, I remember early in my Army career, uh, a few of my friends, they they were on the MET team, and they used to send these balloons up to get weather conditions so we could shoot artillery, et cetera. So how would you classify that? Is that – near or is that in the same field i mean i know it is but what are the similarities as it relates to that and in what you did in the studio
0: yeah so
2: so what you witnessed is still active today you know because we've got layers of the atmosphere over our heads and the reality is as atmospheric scientists i'd really like to know what's going on in those layers all the time well it's impossible because we don't have reporting stations everywhere. So there's a couple of things that we do. And as technology increases, this might change. One of the things we do is we release those balloons. And so for those who don't know what he's talking about, we release released giant weather balloons and they'll have a little, you know, box on it. And as that box goes up into the, you know, thousands of feet in the air, it's transmitting data to us, temperature, humidity, so that we can tell what's going on over our head. But keep in mind, it's just where that balloon is. Right. So it's hard to micro-forecast, but we need that. I'll tell you something else that's been interesting This technology has increased. Since it's not realistic to send balloons up everywhere, You know, then they have to pop, they pop, these things fall to the ground and have something stamped on them, as you probably know, and you hope somebody finds it and puts it in a mailbox. So it's not a great system. One of the things that has improved is there are now those same types of recording stations on airplanes everywhere. And so as, oh. as commercial flights take off, come down, those boxes are taking readings. And so it's getting more and more sophisticated for sure. And in fact, forecasting has improved dramatically. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I could right now from my desktop and my, my home, my home sort of setup, I can give you an incredibly accurate three to five day forecast. That wasn't that possible 15, 20 years ago. After three days, the numbers dropped off pretty dramatically. Now, three to five is pretty good. You get past five, you're, you've got too many atmospheric dynamics that can kind of change. Um, but as the technology, as this computing process and I'll tell you something else. that's about to be a game changer for weather and it's exploding right now. Right now is AI and the the increase in, in computing power and what AI will do. For forecasting, I mean, honestly, I, I, my mind is blown daily. You know, one of the things I do in my company is we research companies and stocks and we get into the analytics. So we're studying AI very closely. And just like with technology in your question earlier, lots of positives, lots of danger as well. You know, sure. so, so God be with us kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I work. I work for an AI company as a system administrator now, so I know exactly what you're talking about—good and the bad, the generative, or not. So it's definitely scary, but also enlightening and, and game-changing as well for a lot of careers. And I noticed you said, uh, you know, you could give us an incredibly accurate um, forecast three to five days out from your phone or your computer. So why? I guess my question is, why are you the go-to weatherman in Memphis? <laughs> Everybody else can't seem to get that accurate with three to five days, according to you know uh, social media's and a lot of your followers.
2: You know, I've done I've done it a long time, and my opinion. There's some good forecasters out there, but there's a couple of things to consider. Forecasting to me. It, it's a blend of art and science. It's not just science. There's also an art to it. And when I say that, I mean, you got to know your area. You know, I've been in Memphis my whole life. I'm, I had the blessing of not having to travel all over the country. So I know Memphis. I know how it's, it's thermodynamics work. I know how where we are in the lat long scale, how far we are from the Gulf versus, you know, the jet stream, dipping, you learn those things. And so you, you learn things over years and a couple of decades that give you good experience. Just like anything, you know, if you've been cutting hair a long time, you know how to cut hair. Right. If you've been cooking a long time, you know how to cook. If you've been doing weather a long time, you, sometimes you get kind of an intuitive sense. You just do. You kind of get a knack for it. So that's helped me. I'll tell you, though, what I think part of the key is, is knowing how to communicate, like I said, what I know because you you ever heard that old that old uh line about if and we used to do this in school if you put a bunch of kids in a line you tell the first kid something a statement and tell them to whisper it in each kid's ear and by the time it gets to the end it's changed that's social media you know in social media if you don't i said this before and it's true a lie will travel around the world while the truth is putting its shoes on and so when you're when you're trying to communicate weather Oh, man. I mean, I've had some I've seen it all. I've seen it all. You can think you're communicating it the clearest way possible and people will pick the two words they like the most and they'll fly with it. And all of a sudden there'll be thousands of comments and thousands of hits. So the critical question, I think. to What you said is, are you communicating clearly? Mm-hmm. So one of the things to focus on, I don't know if you guys I, I mean, you may or may not know this. I don't try to run my mouth about stuff all the time. I I wait. I study it. Some things don't need talking about because it can be misconstrued. So i let it go. Some things there's a weather event coming that needs me to talk about it because I think this will help people. Then I do it. So I say that to say, I think I'm pretty accurate. I've had a pretty good track record on accuracy and I kind of keep up with that. But I think it's also more perception. Do people understand what I'm saying? do they walk away with an understanding of what's going to happen? Because somebody may walk away confused. All of a sudden you're an idiot, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So if you're, if you're, if you're articulating clearly enough and they, because if I'm not, if I, if you don't understand it, then I haven't done a good job of explaining it and that's in anything that's in my daily job. That's, you know, in in, in my, with my kids. So all that to say, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm a special weather person. Uh, But I do like working on my communication skills when I'm trying to tell people, hey, don't be scared. Here's what's up. And sometimes that's all people need to hear. I woke up the other morning because storms were coming through at 3 a.m. Woke me up. I looked at my phone. I went, okay, I could see by radar what was going on. And I thought to myself, you know what, I could go back to bed, but I bet you there's people out there waking up who are scared, who are fearful. And that that pains me. And so I thought, you know what, before I go back to bed, let me bang out a beep, 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 beep. I just wrote, Hey, here's what's up. Don't worry about this. It's almost done. Go back to bed. Boop. And then I went back to sleep the next day that had like, you know, 2000 shares. It, yes. it went crazy. And to me, it was a throwaway moment, but I kind of in my head knew just from experience, just from my time in the past, people are going to be scared and waking up. And sometimes you just need somebody to go, hey, it's going to be okay. As Merle would say, Merle would take my hand like in church and go, it's okay, baby. You know, she'd know. blow my hand like she's on the motherboard and call me. To, okay, baby. Sometimes you just need to tell people it's going to be okay. Is there a magic to that? No, I mean, I'm not a magician, but I just knew. Let me say something encouraging and 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 people were there to kind of pick it
0: up. Yeah. Gotcha. Well look, we thank you for everything that you, you know, continue to do on social media. I think you have what almost 80,000 followers on Facebook. So uh, another church reference, uh you're going to have to excuse my pun here is we thank you for being a very present help in the time of storm.
2: I love that. <laughs> That's good. No, I like that. So uh, you know, That's it. It's a listen. It everything for the believer. Everything you do is a ministry. Everything. Your podcast how, you know, uh, reconciling with someone after a fight, how you are at work, because we get surrounded by personalities and and people, dummies at work. You know, there's always conflict. Everything's a ministry. So I don't get paid to do those forecasts, but I love my community. I love the Mid-South. And so that's got value to me, just being able to, you know, maybe maybe ease some comfort, you know, if you got, if if y'all came across somebody in a car wreck, I bet you would stop and help. Oh yeah. You would stop, you would stop and help. That's kind of how I see day to day in the Mid-South, man. People everywhere are hurting or scared or could just use some encouragement, you know, and that's one of the great things about living in the South versus other parts of the country. I've got friends and family in other parts of the country and and traveled with business or whatever. The Mid-South stops and says, Hey, how are you? you know, on today's radio show, I don't know if you caught this. Ben Ben, the the host is a young man who is a long distance runner. He's from Pennsylvania. We were talking about Merle and I were talking about being from the South. She's a Jackson, she went to JSU, she was one of the dancers there. You know, I grew up in Raleigh. We're country, just southern people. He was talking about coming to Memphis, living downtown. He was running as a, you know, to exercise. And people kept stopping him, saying, Hey, how you doing? And he was like, well, why do you why do you keep stopping me? <laughs> And then you realized, over time, that's just how we are. and I love that about the South. You, you know, we we have issues like everybody else, but there's a uniqueness to living in this environment where people do care about each other. Like, listen, you guys haven't met me before. I, now I consider us friends. But you reached out to have this this conversation, and from this point forward, we're friends. If I run into you guys, we're going to sit and fellowship. And I don't know that that happens everywhere else in the country.
0: Yeah. Indeed, yeah so um you know we've been doing this about 15 months um you know engaging with you know the media and so you know we learned a lesson you know early on uh uh, mac knows what i'm talking about about how easily your words and intentions can be you know uh, misrepresented so we're moving on to your book you know now so but you know when things like that happen um, our Christian beliefs advise us to you know, turn the other cheek or, you know, um, let God, you know, fight our battle. So, and I'm not implying that you, you know, you haven't followed those principles, but like what prompted you to share your story in your own words um, with the book? You know, and that's
2: a listen. First of all, thank you for asking that question. And I don't mind talking about this. I'm very open about what God brought me through. So after 18 years at Fox, 25 years in TV, I was falsely accused of racism. Um, And it was a horrible situation. Uh, I I learned a lot through it about society, uh, about activism. I learned a lot about so more, even more about social media. But in my case, and for people who don't know, I was tweeting during a Grizzlies game uh, defending Kyle Anderson, who was a black Grizzlies player. I was actually kind of teeing up on the refs for letting Draymond Green get away with some behavior and not helping Kyle Anderson. And uh, I used a term to kind of describe his behavior. And a, a sportscaster, a local guy who's already left, he's from Southern California, took that, went and found some archaic meaning that made it racial, and it went crazy never seen anything like it in my life. And I I look now and I say, God, why did, you know, why was this, why did you allow this to happen? And on the other side of it, I've seen lots of blessings. Um, You know, I've seen friendships strengthen. I've seen opportunities to, I mean, I've spoken, I I spoke at an African-American church this past Sunday. They had an installation and the Reverend, uh, Asked me to come speak at the installation. My wife and I got to be on the the got to sit right behind him on the stage for two and a half hours. I don't know that I would have had that opportunity two years ago. You know, when you're in TV, you have contracts and things. I I can't. When you're in TV, you can't put a political sign in your yard. They can fire you. You can't talk a whole lot about your personal beliefs. They can let you go. What happened to me was horrible. Was not justified. I kind of had something spray painted on me, and social media didn't brand with it, because I think everybody's looking for somebody to tear down. Um, You know, I wasn't given a chance to apologize. I wasn't given any opportunities to say, hey, this is not what was meant or who I am. So get to get getting to your point. On the other side of that, God brought me through that in an amazing way. I mean, I was I was in a dark place going, you know, when you're when you're accused of something you hate and something you've lived your life against I'm, you know i'm against racism and so to be accused of that and have people sort of coming at you with hatred it's it's crushing but god brought me through that and strengthened me through it and gives me opportunities to talk about it openly people are still uncomfortable about it uh, and has given me a new perspective on it and i'll tell you one of the things i learned and then i'll get to the book if we're still a good on time one of the mistakes I made, and um, I mean, it's a long story of what happened behind the scenes. You know, they told me they were bringing me back to TV and then I went through it for three months. They told me I couldn't talk, speak about it. They made me go through DEI training um, and I was slated to be back on air. And then the company changed ownership. It has been a process that had been going on for a year and a half. And the new company basically said, we're just going to let you go. We're going to let your contract expire. They just let the contract expire. A lot of details. But one of the things I learned uh, as I met with the DEI person, they flew her into Memphis, had her own company. We met one-on-one at the Peabody for five days. This is while the drama was going on. And on the first day, she she owned her own company out of Dallas. She said to me, "You know, you're not you're not a racist." She, after I've talked to her for several hours, I said, "I don't think I am either." I said, "I'm I'm horrified by this whole situation." But one of the things she said that stuck with me <clears throat> is this response. I said to her. You know, I think part of the problem is I've I've been integrated. So for my entire life, I don't see color. I see people. You know, when you work along in TV, news is very um, multi-ethnic. You forget your friend is black because he's your friend. You don't think that way. You just become friends. You become people. You become humans. And she said, that's your mistake. She said, you can't do that because you've got to remember the differences and the sensitivities. And I will agree with part of that. I will agree with part of that. You know, I still want to see people as humans and, and other God-bearing images, and I always will. But what I do, what I acknowledge and what I recognize and what I've done going forward is to say this, you two guys have had different lives than I have. You've had different experiences. You've had different You've, you've come under things that I haven't had to deal with. I've, I've had to deal with things you haven't had to deal with. We've all had different experiences. And coming out of what I went through, I have a new perspective on that, trying to be more aware. I'm still the same guy. Um, but I wrote that here's what that book is. It's a very small book. It's a very short book. It's not it's not that big. But as as I was going through being crushed like a tin can, I, I was taking notes so I would remember things God shared with me, things God gave me from somebody in my life or a scripture. And then after the light started returning, I said, well, I, maybe, maybe I'll write it down. And it ended up being a 60 page little thing. You know, I will tell you guys, it has blown me away. God has used that so much for me. It has opened doors for me to speak to people, to have coffee with gentlemen who had been hurting and got it for Christmas to speak at a a church to to talk about ways God lifts us up because that's universal you know take away to push pause on me I don't matter whatever happened to me every one of us has fractures and fears and pains and there will be things that happen in both of y'all's lives and everybody else's where you think you're going this way and all of a sudden you're going left God didn't give you a turn signal what do I do and as men, how do we deal with that? If you lose a job, you know, we want to provide and protect. Um, if somebody has smeared your reputation on right, you know, without any merit, how do you, where's your self-worth? So I'll say this, it just, God refocused me on what I already knew. My identity is in him. My identity is not as a news person or a weathercaster or, you know, he, my identity is in Christ. And if I weigh everything through that, it all lines up. And so will there be people that don't like me always? You know, when you're charged with something like racism, um, there are people who already thought that of you anyway, that didn't know you. And they're just looking for a reason to believe it. On the other hand, there are people who go, I know him. You know, I know Mac, I know Jick, I know Joey, whatever. That doesn't fit. Let me take a step back. I'm now in this new uh, uh, sort of season or I've come through that fire. You know, God kind of scorched me and my turned my skin to stone and I'm I'm much much thicker skin than I was 2 years ago. Man, I was a basket case. But I'm comfortable where I am talking going, "Hey, I love I love you brother or sister. Let, what how can I help you? What can I share with you that might move us forward?" And that book came out of that. I didn't I never expected to write it. It was actually, for the first week, it was the number one bestseller on Amazon in that category. So I talked to a book publisher who said, <clears throat> you know, the reviews are, God has blessed me with, I think, I, you know, the, the reviews have been so wonderful. And I don't care about it for me. I'm not making any money off of it. I mean, I, I barely priced it just to, so, so Amazon you had to price it. So, you know, I was going to give it away. And Amazon said, then well, you got to charge $5.99. But if somebody can read it and when they're, hurting and suffering go, man, there's, I'm not alone. There's somebody here who has dealt with this. Then then that's, that's great. Let God use that and give him all the glory. I I hope it helps somebody.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you this. I read uh, a sample of it today prior to the interview, you know, just to get some insight. And uh, on the first page, the first page of the sample, which is probably the first page, Uh, Probably two sentences in, I bought the book that fast based on what was said on the first page. Uh, Like you said, it was like cheap, five, six dollars, I think. I purchased it on Amazon, so I'm waiting to receive it just based on what I saw on the first page. And I'll read a sample from it here. Actually, let's see, it says, and I want to know what this means to you. Sometimes it may seem overwhelming because it was, but just wait for that hope to arrive because it does what does that mean to you
2: you know when uh when it all went down man satan satan looks for a reason to get in your ear and in your heart and i remember that first day when i was like this has gone crazy how, how do i fix how do i when you're scrolling through listen when you're scrolling through your phone after being on tv for 20 something years headlines in apple news from usa Today buzzfeed uh 20 of them memphis meteorologist uses racial term i i can't even i can't even describe to you the horror you feel and i had a friend of mine who talked me down uh who said listen is it realistic for you excuse my cat's tail is it realistic for you to call I was getting hate mail from the West coast, the East coast phone. I mean, people were hacking into my phone, threatening my family. He said, is it realistic for you to contact every one of these people and try to tell them the truth? Is that realistic? And I said, and I'm overwhelmed, crushed by it. I go, no, I want to, I want to find everybody out there who thinks one thing and convince them of the truth. He goes, that's not realistic. I said, I go, yeah, you're right. He said, so your only alternative is to hand it to God. Mm -hmm. And That's hard to hear when you, as guys, we want to fix things. We're fixers. You know, if somebody tells you something's wrong, what do we want to do immediately? Go fix it. My wife. Well, are you both married? Yes, sir. Then you both understand. That's a perfect example. I had to literally go to Psalm 37, Psalm 38 and and live on these words are in that book. Be patient and wait. And I would look at my Bible and I would read each word, not a sentence, not a paragraph. I would go, I would look at, I would stare at that word and the next word and the next word. And it said, be patient and wait, be still and wait. In other words, go against our DNA as men. How do I fix this? Because that leads to anxiety, and that leads to crippling fear, and that leads to sin. God was saying to me in that moment, "Give me time to work. Just stop," because it was too big for me. And I can almost get emotional thinking about it. But as I as as I sat back and said, you know, where did I go wrong? How can I? What can I do? Did I I don't feel like I deserve this. He just went whoa, and. I don't have like a magic formula to tell you. I'll just tell you this. Here I am 18 months later. When I left TV, my my Facebook account, I think it was like 47,000 followers. And I just thought this whole thing's going to go away. I'm going to have to start over. What do I do? Where do I move? Well, now it's at 80,000 followers. God has brought people to me and into my life and increased my ministry and given me the freedom to talk like this. And to talk about that book, which I didn't expect to come out, to talk about race relations and God, how he plays a role in that and how let's be honest with each other and love each other. And so with back to that verse, Mac, it's, it was really let me stop being the fixer. Give it to God because he says it over and over and over and over. If I love the birds and I, you know, and if I'll clothe the, the flowers in the field, how much more am I going to take care of you, my precious children? And man, that's liberating. As a man who wants to take care of his family and his kids and pay the house note, we know we have to do those things. We were We were designed to work. God built us to work. Adam and Eve were designed to work. But to know that he's going to provide the way if I'm just patient is liberating. And so I, I hope that for people, because I have these conversations all the time, men and women, men especially, we get trapped into that. Am I doing enough to provide? You know, is that my measure of manhood? Your measure of manhood is not how big your house is or your fancy your car is. That's not it. That's not your self-worth. Your identity is in Christ. You know, the, the, the humblest of us are the mightiest, in my opinion. I hope that I hope that answers that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it does. Definitely does. And I yeah. think uh before you go, Jake, I just want before you go on. I just want to revert back to conversations we've had probably a couple months ago. And the biggest thing you was telling me about, uh, you know, situations that that you are dealing with right now was be still. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so you've said just, that you've said yeah. that.
1: Yeah. And and it's just crazy to see it come full circle in this episode like this and, and from that book.
2: Yeah. That's wisdom, gentlemen. I mean, and I I, I hope somebody it it, I hope that is a seed planted in anybody's head out there that God loves us. It's not we don't always see the timetable. It's not it's not our time. It's his time. But I'll tell you this. And I said this in that book. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know. I have no I've only got one thing that I know about tomorrow. One thing. And that's that God is already there. Knowing that gives me chills and gives me peace.
0: Yeah, yeah. Enjoy. It. We we want to stay true um, to you know the time frame that we agreed upon. Uh, we got more questions, but uh, like I said, hey, listen. We...
2: If you got a couple more, knock them out. You, I'm having too much fun. I don't want to keep you guys, but if you got right. a couple more,
0: um, so I, just to wrap up, you know, on the book, what what's the most um, important message you want readers, you know, to take away um, after reading that book? the most important thing I would want anybody to remember
2: is that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to say that again, the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, knowing where you are, knowing what's right and wrong, knowing what's up and down is the fear of the Lord. You know, the gospels, the old Testament and New Testament, they say that over and over and what they're trying to say is, We live in a world that's topsy-turvy, man. God gave us a bedrock foundation in that book. It's a moral compass. And if you're looking around at a world where our music and our movies and everything says, do whatever you want, that book gives us a foundation and a moral compass, okay? And once you lean into that and who God truly is and you learn to fear Him, everything else falls into place. Because if you know, think about your your family. Maybe if you if you had a dad in your life, like I, mine was not really there. I still feared him when I saw him. Think about that fear of a father or fear of somebody. You love them, but you also respect them. That's the healthy fear. Fear means awe and respect. That's the fear. When it says fear God, what that means is awe and respect. So if you're reading that book and you walk away with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, let me start there. Everything else falls into place. Because if you have awe and respect for the God of the universe, and he wrote down black words on a white page and left them for us. A guidebook to read that I can go and go, how do I handle this situation at work, which oh, right here? How do I handle this argument with my wife? Oh, it's right here. You know, how do I handle this opportunity that looks good but doesn't smell good? Oh, it's right here. If I fear God then everything else falls into place, that's what I hope. And not only that, but if I fear God, when you're crushed into a little tin can and you think the world is going to just everybody's out to get you, the righteous man runs into the Lord's tower. The Lord is a mighty tower and a fortress for the righteous man. And all righteous means is I know that I'm fractured and humbled and I love you, God. Please protect me in your fortress. It just everything falls into place. I hope that's what they take away
0: from it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, <clears throat> we want to shift to, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing now. Um, so we know you transition uh, to an industry where trust and transparency are crucial. Um, so I wanted to ask, how does the role of an investment advisor differ from that of a chief uh, meteorologist?
2: You know, it's not that far apart. Everything we do is a ministry. I, if you're a, if you're working at Walgreens, or you are in the car, you have a mobile car detailing business, or you are install hardwood floors. Everything you do is a ministry. Are you taking care of people? Are you loving them in those moments? I mean, we interact with people all the time. Do you treat them with respect? Do you show them kindness? Do you know, if they're hurting, do you say, "Hey, you know, everything okay?" Finance is the same way. You know. It, when you're, in, when you're in meteorology, I had to be kind of a, the lighthouse in the storm. you know you're kind of that beacon studying radar, ushering people to safety, whatever. but you're basically caring for them in that need. What do they need? They need weather advice, they need safety. let me help you. Finance is just another version of that. You know as your parents age, as your grandparents age, they, who's taking care of them? How are they feeding themselves? How is you know? I'm handling those things now. Do we have finances in place? Are are we helping you get into a retirement home? Are you you know? It's a ministry, Uh, and there's we we do a lot of stuff for free. We do a lot of stuff just advice and counsel. I love that part of it, and because of what we mentioned before, you guys asked God has left me these corridors open to still talk about weather. I'm still able to do that. You know, I, I, there's a local rapper, um, Fro Johnson, who is out of the Memphis area. He's got a great ministry. You know, he he and I connected because, you know, they called me the main. Well, he has got uh, some merchandise that says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. <laughs> and it's gone crazy. So we connected. And man, we just connected over social media. We went and had lunch. We're going to get together again in a few days. So just because I left full-time TV news, my ministry's still going. So is his, so is yours. So, you know, I love being in finance. I love trying to help people, let them know you've got somebody that is going to take care of you. We're not going to be perfect, but we're going to take care of you. But that extends to whatever we're doing. And while we're doing it, are we being the best Christian we can be? Are we modeling ourselves after Christ? Are we moving forward the Great Commission? And as we get blessings, you know, as you two guys get blessings, as I get blessings, are we saying, hey, look at God. Don't look at me. You know, I got this accolade. I got this bonus. I got this raise. Don't look at me. Thank God gave me a blessing, and I'm thankful for that.
1: Yeah. God be God. Um, what was I going to ask? I got wrapped up in it. So with, with your current position, at what point? You know, in in finance, at what point would you say someone should be considering a financial consultant? Uh, As soon as they can read,
2: (laughs) as soon as they can ask the question. And, you know, financial literacy is critical because I, I saw this post the other day and this broke my heart. This guy said. How do you say it? I may be, he said, I may be broke, but I've never been poor. And he was backwards because we live in a society where Instagram and fakeness and images, everything. And he had, he had a hundred plus thousand dollars debt in credit cards, but he was wearing the latest designer clothes and talking about he was going to eat at the fanciest restaurant in New York. He said, you know, I may be broke, but I'm never poor. And that was his mindset. And that's upside down. That's upside down. You know, it's not healthy. It's going to ruin him going forward. He's getting no value out of it. Um, I think it it comes from teaching our young people and our older people. Of all walks of life, everybody needs to hear this. We're supposed to be stewards of what God gave us. Stewards. That's a good way to help you think about it. You know, to put away some of those crops for the leaner years. Just like, you know, uh, just like Joseph did Pharaoh. He knew a drought was coming. Let's put some of that away for those leaner years. Well, we're supposed to live like that today. If I make 50, I don't need to spend 50 or 55 or 60. I need to discipline myself. I don't need to have everything I want. We live in a society now where if I want it, let me have it, because everybody else has got it. And sin and Satan crawl into those cracks and crevices. So when it comes to financial literacy, I, I think it's a generational approach who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to kids. Let me get you starting to save something. If I'm talking to college kids let me get you to tear up those credit cards or start getting a credit rating, that'll help you buy a car or a house. If I'm teach- talking to older adults and, and man, I get them all over the spectrum. What can you start doing at wherever you are to start putting something away for later? That is smart. It's going to help you out. You know, um, Trying to get people to what because I've been there. I remember that mindset of I'm going to live forever. I'll worry about that later. Well, you get older and you go, what was I thinking? How stupid was I not to put 20 bucks a month into a index fund? Because, you know, people that did have 500 grand to retire on. So that's what I would say is find somebody you trust. And now we're talking back about that trust issue. Find somebody you trust who will give you advice help set you on that path to wellness. And we had a young couple come in this week. No money. I think he worked for the city. He worked for maybe the city as well. We were thrilled. I was thrilled because one of my co-workers sat down. We, we knew we weren't going to make a penny. There was no and we stayed late because they had to work late. But I was so moved that this young married couple just were, called us out of the blue and said, what can I do to, to be better? How can we be better going forward? Help us fix what we've never known. And, mm-hmm. and tra- sitting down with them and saying, here's how you do it. Let's start cutting out those credit cards. Let's make a plan. Let's get you healthy. Listen, that may sound stupid and square and corny to some, but when you're setting people on a healthy path, right, and having open communications about their finances, that's one of the, that's, that's one, as, as you married men know. What do we, what do we fight about sex, health and money? Not necessarily in that order and money's a big one. And so that can help a marriage that can help as you're dealing with your parents, you know, that can help down the road. So, so the, the transition actually from meteorology to finance, there's still a common thread there. And I think that thread extends to you guys as well. And anybody who's listening.
0: Yep. Indeed. Um and I, I think you kind of mentioned this, you know, early earlier with the uh Weatherman, Weather Main uh website. Um, but for people who don't know, uh you do have a dedicated website for selling premium Southern garments. So uh I guess just kind of share a little bit more about how that got started and some of the uh the items that you uh offer there. You know, it started out just for fun because people were wanting
2: Weather Main gear. And so I just <clears throat> I've got a creative itch every once in a while. I've got a scratch, and so logo came up. Uh, actually, some some viewers, some followers of mine, started sending me stuff for free. They had grabbed the logo and were printing it up and just sending it to me. And I was like, "This is amazing." And then I thought, well, you know, why don't we just if somebody wants it, some gear, let's get it out there, you know? And uh, and so really, it's I, I do very. This is going to sound stupid after my finance talk. I'm not driven really by money. I'm, it's I'm not well to do, and and I've got to work. I've got two two of my three kids are still in college. I mean, there's bills. That's I, I don't I don't do these things like the book or whatever. It's not for money. So, as as that site just kind of came to be, I thought, okay, if some people have some fun gear, if they like it, and then I started adding Christian themed apparel in there as well. Things that I would want to wear, you know, that said like I, people would ask me during my that dark period when I was coming out of uh, TV and going, OK, God, what do you want me to do? They would say, how are you doing? And I just automatically started going. I'm too blessed to be stressed. It just came my mantra, too blessed to be stressed. I always just think about what God had done for me. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. God's already there. So put that on a shirt, you know, and and I've worn those around. And sometimes those things will initiate conversations. And give you an opportunity to go. You know, let's talk about God. Let's talk about life. And you know, we're supposed to live life together. That's the other problem with technology. Technology can isolate us. Everybody's walking around like this. You know, nobody's. Technology can isolate us. I, I'm a big fan. I, I get technology. I'm a fan. But man, we got to put the phones down. What does my daughter say? Hang up and hang out. So we go. You're mm-hmm. gonna hang up and hang out. Yeah, I think let's do that. Let's, you know, let's talk. Let me, let's, and let's, let's hug. Let's shake hands. Let's, let's be, you know, let's have empathy for each other and compassion. So that's a long way to say that site has just been fun. Hopefully, somebody's getting some good out of it, some gear out of it, and just, you know, has something to talk about.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a uh I don't know if this shirt is on there already or not, but they hang up and hang out need to be on there too, Joey. That's that's a good one. <laughs> I tell you what, if I do that when i split that with sticks and stones, we'll do a we'll do a share, <laughs> profit sharing. No, no need, you've done enough. Uh I got one other question that actually came from the Weather Main website. And uh I wanted to know if it was significance behind it. It said uh if You're from where people lift with their backs instead of their legs. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah. Um, You know, you're supposed to lift with your legs. Right. Right. But don't we do it wrong so many times? Yep. And and, and listen, and there's reasons for that. So that line is, you know, when you grow up in the South, when you grow up in – uh, Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, you know, I'm going to keep the South's bigger than that. But when you grow up in this tri state area, um, we're hardworking people and we don't always do things the smartest way. You're supposed to live with your legs, but sometimes we just throw ourselves into it with a passion, you know, and we, oh, we, I mean, you guys have, have known men and women your whole life who have worked hard. Backs are hurting, they're aching. But to me, there's a, I respect those people that have worked hard. You know, they fixed their vehicles by hand. They, they, they worked on, they, they you know, they tiled their own bathroom. They fixed the roof with the leak in it because they knew how or they needed to. There's just a certain respect in a, you know, in a God-given kind of motivation to doing things. Working at it, not always the smartest way. Sometimes we use our back and not our legs, right? But we're passionate about completing the work, completing the project. And so I love the South. I mean, I'm a Southern boy. And I love that mentality. We talk a little slower, we walk a little slower. You know, my mom had some, always had classic Southern things. We love magnolia trees, we love front porches, we love tire swings. You know, we like a potluck we have, we have sometimes we have sunday dinner after church on the front lawn um and we work hard and so i've always found a lot love that um mentality you know and so i tried to capture a little bit of it on that site just because it was always in my head i don't know that i did a good job of it but there's a special bond when you live in the south you know you know mm-hmm. when you meet another southern person you know it yeah sure so well it's i think it's just that kind of connectivity
0: yeah well, look, Joey.
1: Um, Mac, you got anything else? I don't have anything else for the
0: finance man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look, um,
0: I know we we went uh you know sixteen minutes over our time, but like I said, I you know it was an honor and privilege, um, just to have you tonight. Um, you you know you were a pro from the first time we reached out, and uh, like I said, we just appreciate you. You know, grace our platform. Uh, With your presence, and you know, just wish you blessings and everything that you're doing going forward. And uh, like you said, you know, we'll be friends uh, from this day forward. You guys are ever in Memphis or close
2: by. Reach out to me. Lunch is on me. We will sit down, break bread, and and just catch up. And uh, I'm honored to have been been on your show. I hope the best for you guys.
1: Yes, sir. Got to go to flights, fish, and wings, Joy. Yeah, that's what we got to have lunch
0: on Lake Mississippi.
1: You know what? I I have not been to
2: Horn Lake in a minute, but one of my best friends from there. So if I ever get down there, I'll let you guys know, and we'll hook up at your place. One way or another, we will we will do that. I promise.
0: Most definitely. Well, like I said, we appreciate we appreciate pre yeah we, we appreciate you, and uh, <laughs> like I said, we uh you know we just thank you. So, all
2: right, guys. Blessings to y'all, your families, your audience, and I appreciate it. All
1: right, all right. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Oh, man. I got, I got, I
0: got tongue tied. I see, man. Had to turn that yeah, Joe, on on the way out. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, man. We thank everybody, you know, tuning in with us tonight, uh, everybody who's been watching. Uh, we got a sponsorship that we need to run, and then we got a couple housekeeping things that we need to get into before we let y'all go tonight. Man. Let me find a sponsorship.
1: I've been locked in. I ain't been <laughs> looking for <a> sponsorship <laughs> like that. You know, my apologies. Um, I thought last, last one was the last one, but you know. Anyway, we're going to run my guy. Sponsor- Yo, we back for another episode of Sticks and Stones. This episode is brought to you by Chaz Fade from none other than my homie Chaz A. McCaskill, licensed master barber located at Enhanced Barbershop. 2317 West University Drive, Suite 173, Den, Texas. Phone number 662-288-3692. Pull up on oh my guy, man. He'll get you right. Tell him Sticks and st-
0: Tell him we sent you Sticks and Stones. Yeah. yeah. Mac, what else you got to say about the sponsorship, man?
1: Oh, man. You know, potential sponsors, event promoters, whether you seeking Prime sponsorship opportunities or even an extra promotional push. We've got your needs covered. Get in touch with us today to explore a partnership and tap into our growing audience. You can inbox me. You can inbox Jig. You can inbox us on the Sticks and Stones page. You can reach us by email, by phone. Uh, we on social media all day, every day, laughing,
0: joking, playing. So, you know, tap in with the team. Yeah, man. And then uh, Matt going into next week, bro. Um, we got four amazing women lined up, uh, to come on and sit down with us, uh, as we try to celebrate or, uh, honor women's history month. And then also I found out today, April is black women's history month. So we're going to try to merge all that together. Um, we got some remarkable stories, um, that deserve to be shared in a unique manner, like only sticks and stones. Uh, can share them. So y'all stay tuned as we reveal the first guests uh, this upcoming Friday. No doubt. Remember, hey, we need,
1: we need y'all. We can't do this without the audience. So, you know, make sure you like, share, subscribe, invite people to join us so that we can continue growing, continue sharing stories from the community, and then build a platform that we can give back on. So make sure y'all, I can't say make sure y'all, would you please?
0: Let me go to asking. Would you yeah. please yeah, do man, that for please. us? Like, share, follow all of it, and then, uh, man, last but not least, you know, we, of course, we want to, um, you know, end the show on a high note in a positive tone. Um, but before we do, you know, of course, you know, our hearts go out to the Coppish family in um, the loss of a uh, big Nick. You know, it's a difficult time uh, for everybody, man. So, you know, but I did find we did find comfort in the you know cold water community and tate county and you know all the surrounding areas coming together and rallying behind you know worthy cause so we got to give this shout out to uh Demazi- Demazio martin uh aka couldn weenie uh. for uh spearheading you know the fundraising efforts on behalf of the family and uh you know just salute to him for his leadership and ensuring uh proper arrangements were made for our guy uh, big Nick so uh, Shout out to you Demazio. Uh I told him in private that he was The only one that could have pulled that off In such a sure. short amount of time um, And so uh, Man we just appreciate y'all and uh, Like I said as soon as they post the uh, Arrangements we'll make sure uh, To share those uh, on our Page but uh, thank everybody for Watching tonight this has been Episode 52 whether or not Featuring Joy Sellepec And uh, like I said, we'll see y'all next week. Women's Month. And uh, we out of here. Podcast, man. Yeah. Yeah, Joe.